I think what an awakening is, it's there's lasting change. Mm. And for me, I think the truth of the Bible is so powerful. For example, it's John Wesley, the God is five guys. They're going after holiness in their own lives. And then they go back to their families and they don't beat their wives, right? They go back into their the hospital as a doctor and um, they pray. If when they don't know a solution, Holy Spirit, is there an idea we haven't thought about? I think it's what John Wesley did so great is he raised up messengers and Christians whose life was yielded to the Bible and to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Hello and welcome to the Follower Podcast, a place for honest conversations about following Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. I'm your host, Matthew Lewis, and I'm so glad that you have joined us. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Follower Podcast. Hope that you're doing so well, even as you listen to this. We've kicked off our year with a few discussions on helpful things to think about as we head into 2024. Um, and today we have a, a new friend to the Follower Podcast. She, You may actually recognize her voice because she's actually uh, done a voiceover for one of our little videos. She's a friend of Amy Din, who's a friend of Follower. Uh, her name is Yolene Wolfson, and she's currently coming to us all the way from Kona in Hawaii. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So exciting. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you for making the time. It's currently 6.30 in South Africa, and it's 6.30 in the morning for you. So that's deep commitment. Yes. Just appreciate deep that. Commitment. <laughs> How's things in it's Hawaii? It's early morning culture. It's oh, early morning it? culture. So you'll see many people. Yeah, still so be up at 5 a.m. So the sun okay. is coming up here. So it's beautiful. Beautiful okay. view. Wonderful. How's the weather? Is it all good? It's good. It's raining a little bit this morning, but... Mm -hmm. um, It'll, it'll warm up pretty fast here. Okay. Okay. Now, Jolene, that's not a, yes. a Kona Hawaii name. You're originally from right. the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit that's about right. your story. How did you end up in Kona Hawaii and what are you doing there? Yes. Yeah. So I grew, I grew up in um, a town in the Netherlands, very small town. There's like five churches um, and only like 10,000 people. So it's a Dutch reformed town. I grew up in a Christian home and um, loved Jesus since a young age. And I remember I was about eight years old and heard the story of Corrie ten Boom, which she's from the Netherlands. And I read The Hiding Place in Dutch or saw the movie. And I remember telling my mom, I said, I, that's what I'm gonna do with my life. And, um, and she was like, okay, well, she, she was praying. She was praying in that time, God, I, I want to meet people like Corrie and Boom that just live a life of faith and go into the nations. And that was around the time that my heart really started to burn for missions. I didn't know any missionary. People don't leave my hometown. They live and die there. They're just <laughs> committed. And uh, so I just started to devour books about missionaries and people that go into the whole world. And... Um, and even around that time, I um, really had a, a love for the presence of God, a love for the scriptures. And um, I, looking back, I think, I believe it was really the Holy Spirit just burning that on my heart, or even teaching me from the scriptures. Uh, as I would read it, I just begin to understand the gospel, begin to understand even the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit moving in power. And uh, in the town I'm from, it was not common at all to see healings or signs and wonders. 
And um, I remember even in that time, my brother had a heart disorder and we were like, well, I said the New Testament, it shows us we can pray for the sick. And so we started to pray for my brother. And about a year later, got a letter from the hospital that his heart disorder was totally gone. They didn't know why. It was mm. not possible, medically speaking. Mm. And so it was early on, I really began to see the power of scripture and what it would look like to stand on that. And uh, began to have such a heart for revival. But then because of that, also reformation, like, can we go back to the authority of the scriptures? And all throughout my teenage years, I went on mission trips. Then last year of high school, I prayed. I said, God, my life is yours. What would you want me to do? I loved studying. So I was thinking, maybe I'll become a doctor and then move overseas. But I, I that was the only picture I had really of how to be a missionary. And um, and I prayed and I felt like God spoke to me and said to join YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And uh, I looked up different places, really felt Hawaii highlighted here. And so I came here um, over eight years ago. Mm, amazing, amazing. And so uh, you've you've come a long way since uh, from the Netherlands all the way to Kona. Right. It's and a long way. You, so you've used a lot of words there. And uh, I want to mm -hmm. tease some of these out for people who might not yes. be familiar with this. Uh, one I picked up on there is you said you're very passionate about revival and then you're passionate yes. about reformation. So, right. so imagine I'm a normal dude on the street. What do you mean by those those two words? Yeah, great question. I think First of all, I think that seeing the power of God and the truth of the word of God come together. And I think sometimes it's easy to maybe camp in one one of them. I'm passionate about the power of God, seeing people get healed, seeing signs and wonders, seeing um, the, the, the very anointing of the Holy Spirit that Jesus walked in um, and seeing that manifested. But I, I long for young people to understand, oh, they can really believe for the power of God, but also be really deep in scripture. You can spend hours devouring the Bible, understanding the historical background of what did these books mean for people in their day. And um, and also be a person that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I think personally, believing for both is not just within the church, but believing someone in business that has a love for Jesus. Um, I want them to feel the permission that they can also, pray for a deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit and uh, knowing God in that way, walking in signs and wonders, but also understand how does the Bible apply to business, my everyday life. And I think to see all of that come together, I have a passion for, and also for young people as believers, to know that they can do both in whatever context um, God has called them to. Mm. And so, yeah, Love I that. think seeing the Bible your everyday life as well as the power of God and that being normal. Yes. And the bringing together of those two worlds. I think that's really good because mm. I mm. think so often we see those things separated out. Yes. Sometimes on one yes. side of the spectrum, you have very passionate, very fiery um, expressions yes. of Christian faith that seemed unhinged from any kind of, authority. Yeah. it's just like people just running around being crazy. But then on, right. on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who are very faithful to scripture but seem quite yes. dry in their expression. It doesn't seem to be a lot right. of power there. And I think the bringing right. together, it's like taking the scripture and lighting it on fire is like a, is a great yes. marriage there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. I think it is, um, you, you see that in culture. I think we, um, you know, and there's always, I, I wouldn't say it's unprecedented, but we are at a time where 
we can be passionate about Jesus, but I think unless our zeal marries real wisdom, it's sustainable. Mm. And I think it's if we want to make it 10, 20, 30 years down the road, if we want to make it decades walking with Jesus in holiness, in purity of heart, in, in both fire and zeal and wisdom, I think we have to marry both in our own hearts in the first place, but then also in the practice of our lives. Mm, so 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 good and also what i love um that you're pulling out here and again i'm just thinking if you're listening to this now and you're going and these are some new phrases for me i haven't heard so much about revival and reformation i just want you to think about how sometimes when we not watch the news or maybe how when you're walking through just your life you're in your company you're at work you're doing whatever you're doing there are so many things in our society whereas christian people we just sit back and go well that's just the way it is Nothing can really yeah. change. You know, that issue is right. unsolvable. That reality can't be fixed. And I would just encourage you to go study the history of like, mm. a, go study a guy like John Wesley. There's a thing for you yes. to Google. Go have a look at yeah. what happened in, in Europe. And you'll just see that like the Christian faith, I, I love what you're saying, Yolene. It wasn't just these sort of very spiritual experiences. This like mm-hmm. that power made tangible impact and established things like yes. hospitals and schools, yes. reformed social systems. Uh, maybe speak yeah. to some of that, yeah? Yeah, no, I love that. I think what John Wesley did was so powerful because for him, it didn't just lead to a revival, it led to an awakening. He yes. was the, one of the key leaders in the first great awakening in England that ended up touching America. I think what an awakening is, it's there's lasting change. Mm. And for me, I think the truth of the Bible is so powerful. For example, it's John Wesley, the God is five guys. They're going after holiness in their own lives. And then they go back to their families and they don't beat their wives, right? They mm. go back into their, mm. the hospital as a doctor and um, they pray. If when they don't know a solution, Holy Spirit, is there an idea we haven't thought about? I think it's what John Wesley did so great is he raised up messengers and Christians whose life was yielded to the Bible and to the leadership of the Holy Spirit so that a transformed heart began to transform their family unit, began to transform their workplace. And I think that it's it, that's the marrying, I think, of revival and reformation, which mm. to me, it's the prayer of Jesus. It says, our Father, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Mm. And you look at England back in the day before the Great Awakening, before John Wesley rose and said, I think the Bible can relate to all of life. I think the holiness of Jesus should change everything around us. And, um, and I think if you prayed that before, over England, God, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. That was the the heart anthem of Jesus and his prayer life mm-hmm. as part of it. I think they would have seen the crime rates go down because that's not in heaven, right? It should have looked like less alcoholism, less domestic violence, because that those are the fruits of holiness. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think exactly like you're saying, like a John Wesley, leaders like that, that understand it's not doesn't just affect my quiet time. It affects not just the church service on a Sunday morning, real um, life. Let's say the revival and reformation, or even just personal transformation, has to lead to societal and public transformation. Because I think that's the only fruit that the gospel is real in my heart, is it changes my behavior.
And in case you haven't picked it up yet, this whole episode, we're really talking about the importance of the Bible. And I yeah. was just saying, I was saying to you, Aline, this should be so simple, you shouldn't have to say yes. it. But for right. so many Christian people, I think myself included sometimes, yeah. we can get so busy doing so many things that the Bible almost yeah. takes a back seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this real passion for the Bible. Where did that come from? And yes. and why do you why do you think it's so important? Yeah. Where did it come from? I think um when I maybe back to when I was like nine years old, ten years old, I really had a lot of questions. I think I'd always uh, and maybe some of you that are listening here are familiar with that. Like I always ask why. I wanted to understand why do we do what we do? And in particular, even when it came to the church, um, why communion? Why do we sing psalms? And I just always wanted to know why. And uh, I, I would always tell whether it was a youth leader or my parents, I'm like, can you show me a verse? I think I, I naturally had that heart for truth. I want to understand truth. I want to know truth. And then when I was in school, I would learn about, as I'm from Europe, some of the European reformers. So like a Martin Luther in the 16th century in Germany who started the Reformation. I know these are big words, but I'm speaking there about the era of Reformation in Europe where he began to translate the Bible and he said, um, the everyone should have the Bible in their language and salvation comes by faith. That was really his main uh, kind of a statement that he made is like, you can't work your way into salvation. You can't just pay a ticket to heaven and try to believe that you go to heaven. It's no, if you have faith that you're a sinner saved by grace, that's it. And I remember hearing that and I was so struck that he had studied the Bible and began to combat these lies that were so, so dominant in the church at that time. And then I began to think, what do we believe today that we just take for granted and that contradicts the authority of scripture mm. in any way? Mm. And so I, I started to wonder, even the denomination I was from, um, and they would, or the specific church maybe I was from, did not believe that in the power of God. And so I began to go on a journey. Well, what does the Bible say? With an open heart, a teachable, humble heart, not trying to land on a preference or an opinion, but land on the Bible. Mm. So I was hungry for truth. And uh, I think that leading now to having led several Bible schools, taking young people through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, but learning um, with that same passion, what is truth mm. and how does truth transform um, my worldview and the way I look at the world? Mm. Absolutely. Really, really good. So someone's listening to that and they're going, okay, cool. Uh, I'm I'm not a missionary person who lives in Kona right. and runs Bible schools. Uh, Matt, I don't have time to sit around and record podcasts. I'm a mom or a dad yes. and I've got a job yes. and I've got some stuff and I hear what you're saying. The Bible's important. Uh, where where do we start? So someone's going, okay, I, I I haven't maybe made the Bible a priority in my friendship with God. Where do, where yeah. do, where do you suggest people start? I would suggest um, find a Bible reading plan and uh, build a, I would say build a discipline of studying the Bible and don't evaluate it in next three weeks. Just mm-hmm. set your heart on six months don't overextend it, maybe choose six days of the week. I'm going to read through the Bible. And I, I really would encourage people, let's say you listen, or you start with the Gospel of John, and you do two or three chapters a day, and you walk through the New Testament in a certain amount of time, to do that every day 
but also study a little bit of the historical background. I often say the Bible was written for us, but not to us. But if I immediately am like Romans 1, everything immediately applies to me. I'm sure the Holy Spirit works through that and we get revelation. But to understand even the basics, Mm -hmm. listening to a Bible project video, who was the book of Romans written to? What did it mean to the original readers? So that then when I apply it to myself, it's even more profound, I think. And uh, so keep it simple, keep it consistent, don't over-evaluate. And uh, I think the Bible is, I think it's the level of our yielding to the Bible that leads to the amount of transformation that we'll see. And so I encourage people, don't come to the Bible to argue it, especially if we don't have real rhythms in our life. Mm. Well, maybe not ever. Obviously, you want to really implicationally think through scriptures. And it's, it's awesome to ask hard questions. I would say, do that in community. And when you read the Bible, come with a heart of humility to not judge the Bible, but let it judge us. Mm-hmm. And just be like, I'm just going to come as a student, as a learner. And um, I think practically that kind of heart posture, you just want to pray beforehand. Holy Spirit, I just pray for a heart of real humility. I want to find you in the scriptures. I'm not here to gain more knowledge that can puff me up. I'm here to find God Mm. and uh, let the scripture convict me. Let it comfort me. Let it love me as well as judge me if there's behaviors that need to change. And just coming with that posture, um, I think we'll see the Bible speak for itself. It will set Mm -hmm. us free. It will comfort us and it will change us. Mm -hmm. Love that. I, I think as you're talking about Psalm 1, right? Mm-hmm. As you know, those yes. who meditate on the law of the Lord, they become like this yes. tree that's planted, bearing fruit in and out of season, and its leaf never withers. You know, I love that. Yes. And, yes. and I think I think there's a fruitfulness. Um, how would we use that in another language? There's a fullness and a generativity mm-hmm. that God wants for your life. And a lot yes. of that is going to be becoming through the seeds of truth that get planted in your mind as your mind is renewed around that truth. Would you agree with some of that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I love that you, you combine that even with where it says in Romans, it will renew your mind Mm -hmm. and it will lead you from conformity to any ideas because there's so many voices, so many ideas. And I love that word rooted in Psalms 1. So that's what happens with the renewed mind. It helps us to root ourselves and not be tossed back and forth by every idea, every good sounding argument, but be like, no, 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 I'm going to be rooted and I will bear fruit because of that. And so someone's listening and they've stumbled on this podcast, maybe, or maybe they're a Christian and they're kind of going on a journey and they go, I yes. hear what you're saying, but but why is the Bible different from any other book? So there's a little mm. bit of skepticism there, maybe, you know, what do you say to that person? You're saying, let's read the Bible, let's renew our mind. And someone says, okay, yes. why is this book so important? Why is it, why is it different? Yeah, maybe to um, a skeptic that would call themselves a Christian. Um, I think it's God who says, this is my word. Mm -hmm. And to anyone that's even dealing with that skepticism, I think there's multiple answers, multiple angles, I think, depending on maybe where the heart's at. Um, But I I would say because it's the word of God, I 
come as a learner. I come as a student. God saying, this is my word. Mm-hmm. And I might not understand it all, but I, I, I'm not coming to feed. Um, I'm coming to know God. Mm-hmm. If this is the word of God, I think what, what happens when our hearts are really in it to love God more and to know God more, as well as we genuinely fear God, mm-hmm. I can let go of my own judgment of what I think is right and wrong and be like, well, God said this is his word. In the in both fear and love for God, I'm going to yield to this. And again, I think it's it's a journey and it's a process when we notice, oh, I don't know, just give it time and really pray for the fear of God in our lives. I think if there's a genuine seeker that is wondering um, you know, out of a genuine place of study the Bible. And uh, I, I am really wondering, how do I find language around? Why is, is this book more credible, even in literature or um, than any other book? I think there's some great resources out there that really speak into that. I think, um, you know, even compared to some of the early uh, Greek philosophers, some of the content they wrote, we, we take that, we put that in universities, but um, the amount of manuscripts that the Bible had early on, the amount of eyewitnesses that wrote it down, it is, um, it makes some of like uh, the early Greek philosoph- philosophers, their manuscripts seem invalid mm-hmm, with, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. again, the standards for literature being credible. I think there's some apologetics books out there that um, to people that would want to know that I would, I would study that for sure. Yeah. Really, really good. And I think, you know, you, you've pointed so well to like how we got the Bible. And so that's a signpost if you're listening to this. So just encourage yes. you to go go study that. But it's not only that, it's also um, what I think is so compelling is the, the fruit of the Bible whenever it's yeah. lived out in a society. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. our, our entire Mark says there's this beautiful phrase. He talks about how uh, the secular age is 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 trading on the corpses of the biblical worldview, right? It's true. <laughs> Which yes. is such a powerful 100%. thought, right? Yes. Yeah. Speak a bit, bit to oh, that. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of my my favorite books is by this Indian theologian, Vishal Mangalwadi. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he wrote the book, The Book That Made Your World. And he goes into almost like a comparative study between India and Europe and how Europe was really built on the Bible. And I think the Bible, we can approach it often, even as believers, with uh, it's a great devotional book. It fuels my love for Jesus. I get to know God more. But we often forget it's the book that builds nations. Mm. Like it's the book that built legal systems. It's the book that helped get nations out of poverty. It's the book that said most of our, I mean, the Constitution in America, so much of it is biblical truth. Mm -hmm. And I think... um, any other worldview, even secular humanism, a lot of secularists or atheists will fight for human rights. Well, where did that originate from? That's from the scriptures. Right. Men are made in the image of God. If I believe I come from a Darwinian kind of evolution theory, though there might still be evolutionary elements in the way our world develops, but sure. that kind of core that man comes out of nothing, that it's the survival of the fittest. If that's my worldview, I'm inconsistent by really fighting for human rights. Mm. And um, I think the Bible, again, it speaks to all of life. It it shows us how to do education, how parents should train their children in the ways of the Lord. If you look at the law, even 
in uh, Leviticus 19, I think it is chapter 19, it God shows Israel, how do you rise out of poverty? It's like real, uh, there, there's real truth. And Israel you know, was out, led out of slavery, build a nation based on the law and the mm. words of God. Mm. And so, again, back to Vishal's book, that comparative study is is really um, incredible to look at how did the family unit shift when the Bible was translated and put in the hands of lay people? Mm. How did economic shift when um, the Bible again was put in the hands of people and they understood, wait, I'm not just a priest in the kingdom of God when I am a literal priest, mm. when I'm a teacher and teaching children, I'm a priest. How do I implement biblical truth in my everyday life as a teacher, as a businessman or woman, as a governmental leader? And the Bible, again, has truth for that. And mm. we can't just um, be arbitrary in our in our life in any area. And I think we have such a dichotomy still in the in the church today where, again, the Bible is for my private life. And then when I go into public as a lawyer, oh, it's fine if I lie. That's what you do in law, right? right? right. Well, is that true? Is that what it means to be a, a priest in a way? Is, is is that what it means to expand the kingdom of God in and through our everyday life? Yes. Love that. Love that. Love that. Makes me think of that. There's that book by Darren Miller, uh, Discipling Nations. Oh, yes. I love so that book. Oh, good. And he just talks yes. about how in his experience as a missionary as well and in ministry, he's like the way that you really transform a society. Like if you want to talk about poverty alleviation, yeah. uh, if we just look circumstantially, if we just seek to like yeah. fix the situations, those situations are a product of a worldview. And so even 100%. if you sort out the situations on the top, those things will yeah. come back because the worldview is what's yes. producing them. So if you really want totally. to heal a nation or heal a community or help people, you've got to get down to the level of the worldview. This is what you yeah. guys cover because you, you run a school, Revival and Reformation. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that because I think that's what you cover in the school, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we really look at worldview. And, um, you know, I think this word is thrown out a lot injustices. Well, there's the injustice of poverty. And uh, and I think when we don't understand that at the, at the core level of an injustice, there's lies. There's, there's things out of order with how God has set it into place. And I think as Christians, we have to understand that or we will jump on any social justice wagon and think we're doing great things. And I'm not saying a heart is wrong, but is that is that a biblical response to what's happening in the world today? Mm -hmm. And so, I, I, yes, in our school, we talk about the Bible. We study the whole Bible, read the whole Bible. We teach our students how to study the Bible. Um, again, understanding the historical context and introduction to that from Genesis to Revelation. Who was this letter or this book written to? So then how do I apply it to my life? Um, so we give an introduction to understand how to study the Bible. And then we talk about biblical worldview. And we talk about truth looks at every area of life. We do a whole week on the sphere of family, a whole week on business including some of the injustices that we face in our world today um, related to that sphere. 
Now, they're not all standalone spheres. A lot of them integrate together, but it's just a, a framework that we use to help our students think through what what does God think about government? What does God think about education? And um, how does then, our last quarter is, how does then truth, how do I communicate that into the world? Mm-hmm. And um, again, from understanding how do I apply truth? How did God set the world in place? And how can I implicationally think through different worldviews? How does secular humanism affect this family unit right now? How does humanism affect media today? And how is that out of place with the way that God longs to expand his kingdom even through media? Mm Because I think when we see lies all over media, we're like, let's hide in a corner and let's just wait for Jesus to come back. Mm -hmm. I think we have to understand, wait, hold on. Am I reacting to things I'm ignorant of? I don't understand. And so I encourage students, take your hard questions, take your fears, be honest about it. But let's go to God. What does his word say? Is God a communicator? Okay, so maybe there's something in media, a redemptive element, that as Christians, we are meant to bring that kind of salt that the Beatitudes talk about, that kind of light, even into the world. Not out of reaction, not out of the character of Jesus, but because I've taken my fears, I've taken my questions, and I've landed on some kind of truth and the heart of Jesus and in that place, he spoke to me, you know, and, and maybe, and I've seen God call young people in the midst of their wrestle. Be like, no, I've called you to be a communicator. I want you to develop documentaries that speak about my redemptive design for family, uh-huh. right? And that's how we see reformers that are hope-filled, solution-driven, mm-hmm. and actually serve society with the love of Jesus, but with real clarity and discernment. And uh, yeah, that's what our school is about. We train leaders in that way. We lay a foundation in their lives on how to see redemption. Love that. I love how you are uh, so intentionally giving them pathways to integrate Mm -hmm. scripture into their everyday life. Because I think that that's sometimes where the divide is, which is what you've pointed to. So, man, I just love that. I wonder if Mm -hmm. you have, um, just think now, if you don't, it's okay. Yeah. Do you have a story or two of a student who's mm-hmm. come on one yes. of the schools and been changed or transformed, or you've maybe gone out and done some some ministry and impacted some communities? Yeah. Maybe a story or yes. two. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. Well, last summer I helped with a, a helping film. Well, I'm not a videographer, but it helped oversee the project. We went into Africa to uh, capture stories of revival and reformation. We were like, we want to see this with our eyes. Some of the stories were from our alumni, people that had done our course. And so uh, one story is our first revival and reformation that we did here. There was a couple from Norway that um, they were in a prayer time and they felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to them about Madagascar. They had never really thought about that country. And so they began to look study Madagascar, dive into what's happening here. And they found out that so many children die before the age of one because of a lack of vitamin A. And um, they began to see the levels of malnutrition. Now, they had a career before in business and um, in nutrition. I think in their level of sports, nutrition. They come to our class still feeling called to that, 
But now God had called them into missions. They're like, how is all of this going to work together? And as they began to study, God gripped them for the injustice, so to say, the issue of hunger and malnutrition in Madagascar. And so they dove into the Bible. What is a biblical solution? First of all, they got God's heart. This does not look like the kingdom of heaven in Madagascar. There's things out of order. And so we want to go in with the gospel message, be unapologetic about the message of salvation. But is there a way we can disciple communities and show them who our God is by practical solutions? And so they developed a program where they would go into communities and teach leaders about the Moringa tree, which happened to grow all over Madagascar, be a great climate for it to grow, and would actually be one of the most nutritious um, trees and seeds um, a food to combat any vitamin A deficiency. And so many children will be born blind or die. Like so many of the problems there coming from malnutrition were mostly coming from a lack of vitamin A. Mm -hmm. And so they've trained now in the last four years, over a thousand leaders in Madagascar on how to develop within their communities, teach them biblical worldview. God cares when your child dies before the age of one. He's heartbroken over that. This is who our God is. He is compassionate. He cares. But then here's a thing. We're going to plant moringa trees all over this village and teach you about nutrition. And so they've trained over a thousand leaders and um, have been connected to the Department of Health over Madagascar. And so that is one story. Mm. And um, that's had so much impact. And then I think even personally, we traveled to Uganda. I'm a little bit involved into the realm of Bible translation. And, uh, and I think their same thing, it's how does biblical truth transform a heart and can really transform communities. And so we went there into refugee camps and found people, young teenagers that had fled South Sudan, had lost everything. And um, they were inviting me into their mud hut. We're drinking tea and they were showing me their English Bible. They're like, we don't understand this. Really, it's hard for us, but we need hope. There was a 16 year old girl that had just lost a baby and there was some injustice that had happened to her. She gotten pregnant and uh, she'd already faced so much trauma having to have fled her hometown and she was holding on to her English Bible, hardly understanding it. And I think even in that moment, I was like, what if we get the Bible in your own language to give you hope? And uh, they were crying and wanting to help with the translation and they're connected now there to YWAM basis. And so... There's a, a lot of stories of those practical projects, but even just at the more grassroots level, stories of the way that the Bible has spoken hope into the lives of people coming out of real trauma mm -hmm. and some of the Bible translation projects that I think are more the grassroots level of reformation, transformation that are taking place as well in, in some of those areas. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Man, such yeah. cool stories. I think it's like, you know, a reformation at the level of society starts with reformation at the in the individual. Yes. Right? Like, yes. like it right. must come to me before it comes through me. And I think that's a really key yeah. thought. And <laughs> I think what you just raised there, and particularly in that last story, is I think I probably have three different just hardcover translations of, a, of my Bible. And then I've got digital yeah. versions. And, and, you know, like, in in countries like South Africa or the Netherlands where you're from or the USA, yes. we we take for granted 
this book. Yes. And we and we right. take for granted the benefits of living in a society that assumes a worldview yes. built on this book. <laughs> right? Yes, 100%. And, and we just don't know how desperate many people are in the world for the kind of hope yeah. that you find in the pages of the scriptures. Yes. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. And uh, even like you're saying, I've, it's a, it's a good wake-up call, I think in a healthy way. I know not all of us have a opportunity to maybe go to the unreached in the Himalayas, but I remember even going there and sitting with people that have lived in Hinduism for years, never being able to find peace. We gave them an SD card with the audio Bible and they listened to it all night. Mm. And next morning we woke up, we're in this mud hut, high Himalayas. And they were like, I feel such peace. I feel mm. such hope. And then to see what we take for granted. Well, there's people that have lived in the bondage of lies for years which does not lead to peace and joy and the deep satisfaction that every human heart was created for. And to them, be introduced to that changes their worlds. But I think for some of us, we, we've seen a bit of that transition away from Jesus to a life with Jesus. We will recognize those moments too. But um, I think the, the contrast even in villages that have never, ever for centuries heard the name of Jesus, it's um, it makes you realize while the personal peace we have, I, I cannot take for granted the gift mm. of the scripture in my own language, but also the way that even though it can be mixed or twisted, but societies that are somewhat built on biblical truth, it it prospers and it mm. flourishes. Mm. And then you go to other places like in India, deeply unreached. Biblical truth has not transformed society Many people don't have the Bible in their language. You see the untouchables living on the streets, dying on the streets because a Hindu faith, a Hindu worldview says don't alleviate them from their suffering. They probably were a bad person in their former life. And so if you help them, it's bad because then mm -hmm. they have to continue their suffering in their next life. And mm -hmm. you're like, wow, these people are dying on the streets because they serve a God called destroyer that doesn't serve them in that way. So you right. see the effects in a really, really stark contrast. Right. It breaks even my heart over and over again. I'm like, we have to get the Bible into every language and serve people with projects um, that reveal who our God is. Love it. Love it so much. Well, Yaline, you know, the purpose of this podcast was just to yeah. maybe set people on fire a little bit, just mm -hmm. encourage people a little bit. Hey, listen, yeah. if you're going to follow Jesus, your Bible is a pretty important part of that. And I think yes. we've achieved that. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. And I wonder if before we wrap up this conversation, is there anything else that's burning in your heart? Anything else you feel like, man, if we didn't say this before we left, we would have missed yeah. it. Is there anything else? Yeah, maybe something that I I pray for, um, maybe even specifically um, the West even. I, I don't know where the listeners are from here, but countries with little access to the scriptures, let me say that. And um, I think we do live in a time of such confusion and deception. And I think it can overwhelm believers to then not go into the scriptures and find truth for ourselves. And uh, I just, my encouragement would be that that level of confusion is, um, is, is God's invitation to grow in discernment and God's invitation to understand how the Bible can bring freedom to us and to everyone around us. And um, 
the scripture I often land on is where Paul says to the Corinthians, to the Corinthian church, is 2 Corinthians 10, he says, our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's we, what we do, we don't fight like the world does. Sorry. We don't fight like the world does. That's what he says. But the weapons of our warfare, we tear down strongholds that are set up against the knowledge of God. Right. And, and my encouragement is let's not fight people in reaction to our own confusion, but mm-hmm. let's grab a hold of God's invitation. Wait, maybe these are arguments fueled by the enemy to accuse God, whether it's on a societal level to fog our minds with who God really is. And I think it's the invitation to go low, to say, God, increase my discernment. When I study the Bible, I want to know you. Show me who you really are. And that we don't go to the Bible to argue people, to fight people. We go to the Bible to know God That's and to it, seek yeah. God's invitation to discernment where the enemy is bringing great confusion. Mm. God is really raising up, I believe, voices of truth, voices of clarity that comes out of the secret place with God. Mm. So my encouragement will be continue to dive into the scriptures and grab a hold of God's invitation mm. and uh, to really not become reactive, not fight people, but to know him. Yeah, beautiful. Really, really love that. And, you know, even if you're finding that a little bit daunting, I would just say uh, we live in an age where there are so many resources available to you. Uh, You know, Yolene mentioned the Bible Project, which is just incredible. I mean, you have seminary level theology coming to you in bite-sized videos. And they even have something called Classroom in the Bible Project, where you can go and do online theology um, study for free. Like, so you don't even have to pay for that stuff. It's incredible. And then you've got YouVersion Bible app if you haven't seen that. So there's so many tools. And I would just say, even if you start small, just start, right? Just yes. start. Just open the book, get alone with God. Because I was saying to a friend the other day, uh, we were walking and I said, man, you know, the Bible really should come with like a, a warning on the cover. You know, because this, you get into this book, it will mess you up. It's going to upend your whole yes. life, change everything about you. So it's, it, it, yeah. it has that transformational power. And I, I yeah. just feel like, man, if you're a Christian in the world today, feeling a bit overwhelmed, maybe drowning a little bit, maybe a bit hopeless, maybe a bit without direction, you are being formed by a story. Whether you like it or yeah. not, nobody's, nobody's neutral here. But the thing is, you can't rise higher than the story that you're living into right? That's your ceiling. So if you feel like your life is claustrophobic and closing in on you, maybe it's because you're living into a tiny story when you were made Mm -hmm. for one, the size of God. And maybe it's time you open up a book and find a better story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Powerful. I'm so encouraged and inspired by your stories and, and just like the passion for the scriptures that comes even through the Mm -hmm. screen, man, it made me want to go read my Bible now. Me too. We should after this. Let's read the Bible. Amen. Hey, well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, If people want to find some of what you're doing, they were interested in the Revival Reformation School or any other stuff that you're involved with, where can they do that? Um. Mostly on Instagram, Revival. Uh-huh. I think it's revival.reformation. Um, for any of the women out there, we I mean, a few friends started Women of Truth. It's just an Instagram where we, if we do a Bible study, um, I developed a few manuals to go through the whole New Testament in six months. So we open up cohorts there for women. So if you're a woman listening to this, you want a bit more community and maybe also practicals, then you can look for that. And then, um, yeah. Love it. People can follow follow any of those love it thank you so much Jolene thank you for your time and everybody else we'll catch you on the next episode of the follower podcast have a good one
That's all for this episode of the Follower Podcast. If you found this helpful, please consider liking, sharing, subscribing, and leaving a review on the podcast. It, it helps us get these conversations in other people's ears. You can also give a once-off donation or ongoing monthly support to make more conversations like this possible by visiting www.wearefollower.com. Until next time, friends, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and to the ends of the earth.